Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Today, the message is coming from Lisa Bevere. John and Lisa befriended Renata and I right after we got married and went on staff in Colorado at the church there. And, and they did a few things. One, uh, they encouraged us. Like Renata just found a picture this week of Lisa at Dawson's baby shower. But not only just befriended us, but they helped us in ministry. So we were starting a youth conference and they spoke every year. They've been great friends to us. And now uh, many of you know their voices across the nations. And so uh, they, they've got books and podcasts and, uh, and speak all over the globe. And they have real clarity on a lot of issues. One of them uh, is Lisa wrote a book called Be Angry But Don't Blow It. And today the message is on anger. And this is a message that she gave in South Africa. And I think it's just perfect for each one of us as we're wanting to, in this season of life, uh, stay in step with the Holy Spirit and not walk in anger. And so uh, I'm excited for you to hear this message. I think that so many of us in the middle of the COVID-19 dynamic and there's uh, things that we're missing out on. Maybe there's financial collapse. Uh, Maybe there's opportunities we're missing out on, but there's all kinds of people just suddenly facing some anger there. Obviously, you know, with the things we're facing in our nation right now, there's a lot of anger. And I think walking in step with the Holy Spirit is a prophetic message for our church. And so I'm excited for you to listen to this message. I actually just want to read the text and then uh, we're going to let Lisa preach it today. And it's phenomenal. Actually, she's really funny as well. So it's super funny. It's convicting. I think you're going to love it. She's a delight to listen to. Uh, So enjoy this. But let's read the text. Galatians chapter five. I'm going to read starting in verse 16. Says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Anyway, great text from Paul here in Galatians 5. Uh, I love this message. Enjoy this, and then I'm going to pray with you at the end of this message. 
Hey, Radiant Church, I love David and Renata. Now, John and I have had the privilege of knowing them for a really long time. We actually knew them when they were newlyweds, before they had any children. And it has been such a joy to see both David and Renata grow and flourish in their calling and now to plant this church. And so I am very honored that I get to come to you through a message that I believe is a crucial message for the body of Christ, how we navigate anger. So you're thinking, I'm not angry. Well, I was. So I hope this helps you. I hope it actually uh, brings some healing and strengthening to both your marriage, your individual lives, and your families. Thank you, Radiant Church, for opening your hearts and opening your house of worship to me. I'm gonna show you my family again. That was just like a quick blur of family. Okay, so these are my grandchildren, my beautiful Texas daughter-in-law, my firstborn son. We're gonna be talking about him tonight. My old man husband, who is very cute, who I've been married to for 37 years. Please do not tell him I said that. He gets really mad when I say he's old. My youngest son, who is married to a girl named Christian, in case he forgets who he is. Me, my mother-in-law, my only other single son. Then I've got my second son and his beautiful wife, Jessica. Do you see everybody looks normal? Do you see they all look happy? Okay, I just want you to look at this because this is the redemption of God in this photo. And I want to do something. I'm going to be talking about being angry and not sinning. Because a lot of us know how to be angry and sin, but I'm going to talk about how to be angry and sin not. And I'm going to talk about it from my own life. I grew up Sicilian. I don't know if you know what a Sicilian is. Anybody here know what a Sicilian is? Wave at me. Okay, Sicilians are Greeks, Arabs, and Italians mixed. We are the ones that gave the world the mafia. You're welcome. It was our contribution. Everybody has a contribution. The mafia is ours. I hope you enjoyed the movies. Anyway. I am Sicilian. Then my mother is French and Apache Indian. I'm just kind of putting together a little bit of a package there. My dad, 100% Sicilian. My mom, French, Apache Indian, and thank God a teeny bit of British because that just kind of helps with some stuff. And I grew up in a very angry household. I got saved in 1981. The majority of you are not even born then, but I was born again in 1981, married John Bevere in 1982, became a pastor's wife in 1988. And in 1988, because I was sitting on the front row like you guys, I prayed a stupid prayer. I said, God, I'm just about perfect. God, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm sitting on the front row singing hallelujah, falling down once a month. God, I think you are so pleased with me. So I'm going to just pray a prayer that sounds good. Father, I want you to come into my life 
and excavate it. Just go in. I, I had been singing over and over an old school song. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the lamb. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take your coal. Cleanse my lips. Here I am. Thought that I would go to bed that night and an angel would tap my shoulder. Here's your coal. But there was a very different process that began in my life. See, before that prayer, just once a quarter, I would maybe freak out on my husband. I would maybe call him names. I would maybe say things I shouldn't say, but it was just like maybe four times a year. But after I prayed that prayer, it was now once a month. That's when I learned about premenstrual tension. I was like, until the Church of Jesus Christ puts all the women into the spa for that week, of course they are going to be living on the edge. But now if John would say, honey, are you getting ready? Like, That's not it, but it always was it. Then it went from once a month to like every single week. That's when I figured out You'll understand this, Chris. We're youth pastors. Probably all of the witches in Orlando have targeted me and they are praying against me. I am under spiritual attack. That is why I'm angry. Not to mention all of the other things I've already said. Sicilian mafia vendettas, Apache, people stole my land. All this stuff is going on. I began to be afraid to open my mouth. And I have one of those husbands that, you know, like does not let something like stop. So like if we were having a fight and it was nighttime and we went to bed, now we were word of faith people. So I would say to my husband, I forgive you by faith. I don't even know, I don't even know what that meant, but if his leg happened to come over into my space after I'd forgiven him by faith, I'd kick him back, I'd like roll over, I was off the edge of the bed, and then John would say, no, he'd flip on the lights, rip off the covers, and say, we are not doing this. We cannot let the sun go down on our wrath. But see, I think he was wrong because we had started fighting when it was dark out. So I felt like we had until the next day sundown. We were in a disagreement in the kitchen. I felt like my idle word account was getting high. I was like, I just need to not talk. And John was pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. And before I knew what happened, I turned and I threw a plate at him. It was thrown like a Frisbee. My husband ducked, missing decapitation, and it hit the window. Went right out the window that was not open. I shattered our apartment window. Now, when you do something like that, everybody comes to attention. And John was like, I can't believe you just did that. I said, I can't even throw a Frisbee. I can't believe I did that. John was like, no, seriously, Lisa, you just broke the window in our apartment complex. It was a huge, big picture window. Y'all remember I was only 28, only 28, 59 now. It's a long time ago. Anyway, threw it. And he said, you know what? When they come, 
to fix this window. I am not going to lie for you. And I said, you know what? You're a man of God and I don't want you to lie, but I will not be here when they fix the window. <laughs> so I get in my car and I am praying in the spirit. I am like, God, you are the God of the impossible. It would it would be so easy for you just to reassemble that window. It would be a miracle. I could just give you glory for all of my life. Just, it's just like a flinch of your eyelash. The entire, all the pieces of glass would come back together. I prayed and I prayed when I saw the maintenance truck. I said, nope, not going home yet. Just kept circling, circling, circling. And when I came in, my husband looked at me and he said, you must have really been praying. I said, I was. I prayed for everything I could possibly think of. And he said, well, the maintenance man came in while I was on the toilet. So your two-year-old son let him in. And when he walked in, he saw the broken window and he said, whoa, whoa, what happened here? And he moved the sofa away from the window, looked down, and there was a metal Tonka truck. He picked up the truck, looked at my husband and said, say no more. This is why we have insurance. We understand that two-year-olds do things like this. These kind of things happen. And John said, I just decided to follow his instructions and say no more. So I went from broken. I'm so sorry, God. Imagining people seeing me in church. Youth pastor's wife breaks picture window at Post Lake Apartments. I always knew she had a problem. I went from shaming myself to justifying myself. You were going to uncover me and see what God did. I remember no longer feeling quite so bad about it. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have thrown the plate, but you shouldn't have pushed me. That's the way I began to reason. I know nobody in South Africa would ever think like that. <laughs> then I had my second child. Now, I wanna explain something. One child is an accessory. You take them out, you dress them up, they behave well. It's all a trick to get you to have more children. <laughs> when I had my second child, I remember thinking, what have I done? I will never brush my teeth before noon again. Every single day was just chaos and mayhem. And we only had one car. John would take the car to work and then come home look at me, I'd be standing there with one baby in my arms, another one on my leg, a spank spoon in my hand, my nursing flaps down, and he would say, what have you done all day? And I'd say, I don't know. I don't know what I have done, John, but I have been busy. And he would say, I say, People are calling me, saying they want to commit suicide, and I am offering to join them. Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying it's a good technique, but it did, it did help. People are like, oh, no, we need to rescue you now. I was like, what, wait, what? Maybe So John, every single day, I was failing, 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 because my oldest son, my perfectly well-behaved firstborn, now 
refused to take a nap because he is a justice child. So if I kissed the baby, I had to kiss him. What was I doing with the baby? If he was sleeping, I might be doing something with the baby that might not be equal for him. And so I would put him down and he would get up. A lot of times he would hear the phone ring. Yeah, I was a mother in the day without portable phones. And he knew she's trapped. He would come out of his bedroom. I would be in the kitchen. He would be playing in the loft. I'd be stomping my foot and waving the spank spoon at him like, get back in your room. All of these motions while I'm praying for someone over the phone. And my son would just be like, I see your hand. I see your hand, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I tried putting the spank spoon on the threshold of his doorway. He just stepped right over it. He'd be like, I need to do this. And one day, my son came down the stairs and I came running up to meet him. I no longer saw him as a child. I saw him as an enemy. I thought, this is the one stopping me from getting anything accomplished. I was a sleep-deprived, crazy woman. I'm stomping up the stairs with Addison. I walk into his bedroom. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, what can I do? And I hear a voice say, lift him up and slam him into the wall and put him on his bed. And I thought to myself, yeah, that should work. I lifted him up and I was just getting ready to shove him in the wall when I saw something I had never seen before. See, my son was not afraid of what I was going to do. He had no idea what I was going to do. He was afraid of me. And when I saw the fear in my son's eyes, I remembered my own growing up in a physically and emotionally abusive household. And every time I was slapped, and every time I was kicked, and every time I had been shoved into a wall, I made myself a promise, and it went like this. I will never treat my children this way. But there I was, a born-again pastor's wife, getting ready to slam my son against the wall. And it broke me. I put him down on his bed. I said, Addison, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry mommy scared you. I went running downstairs and I hit the carpet. And I wept until my entire being was empty. I said, God, it's not the witches in Orlando. God, it's not the Apache. God, it could be the Sicilian, but you're bigger than that. God, it's not my mother. God, it's not my father. It's not John. It's me. I have a real problem with anger, and I don't know how to be free. Wept and wept, and then I heard the Spirit of God whisper to me. And he said, because you're no longer justifying this, I'll take it out of your life. You see, what we justify, we buy. We say, I have earned the right to be this way because of what was done to me. 
How many times do we hear this? And yes, you can say that, but what was done for you is greater than what was done to you. And so I had a memory. See, my mother is the one who took out most of her anger on me. She was married to an absent, alcoholic, adulterous husband. And I acted more like my dad than I acted like my mom. So I grew up hearing, you're just like your father, you're just like your father, you're just like your father. So when my dad didn't come home by a certain time, she knew he was in the bars. And I did everything I could to stay away from her because it meant that her anger would be taken out on me. But she would always find me. So there was one incident that I had hid away in my heart. My mom became a Christian when I was in my teens and I became a Christian at 21. And my mom came to me and she said, will you forgive me? I didn't raise you the way I wish I would have. I didn't raise you the way I would have raised you if I had been a Christian. And I said, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. I forgive you. But I hid one instant in my heart. One, I don't know, I thought maybe it would keep me safe. It was the only one that when I thought about, I actually felt pain. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, call your mother and bring up that particular instance. And I was like, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring that up. God, I have a beautiful, amazing husband. I, I totally have compassion for her now. I, I, should, I should never have held that back. And he said, nope, you need to call your mother. So I called my mom and I'm weeping on the phone and I said, mom, I almost slammed Addison into the wall. And, she's, and then I said, I, I need to ask you to forgive me for the one thing I never forgave you for. And then she started crying. And she said, Lisa, that's the one thing I've never been able to forgive myself for. Well, there's a reason for that. Remember the parable of the wicked servant forgiven the unpayable debt, goes out, grabs the fellow servant, pay me what you owe me. I was like, I understand that. He almost just got in trouble. But no, that's not what God said. The other servants reported it back to the king. And what did the king do? He takes the wicked servant and said, I forgave you the unpayable debt. And what does he do? Throws him into prison. But the other one now was in torment. And so I was tormented by the very thing I refused to forgive in my mother. So when I forgave my mother, we together prayed broke the curse of abuse off of our family. And I just remember it was just this beautiful healing. The worst day of my life became this beautiful moment in my life. And then John came home. And I thought, do I tell him? Because I did call one of my girlfriends and I said, you can't believe I almost slammed Addison into the wall today. And she said, but you didn't. She said, I almost slammed my kids into the wall every day. See, I didn't need somebody that was going to give me sympathy. I needed accountability. 
What does the book of James say? Book of James says, confess your sins one to another that you might be, what? Healed. See, I was forgiven when I confessed it to God, but I was healed when I confessed it to my mother, and then I was made accountable when I told my husband what almost happened. And John had no problems being my accountability partner because he had been on the other side of that anger. I want to read to you from the book of Galatians. Galatians 5.16. And the heading in the ESV says, keep in step with the Spirit. But I, say to, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What did I want to do? I wanted to be a better mother. What did I want to do? I wanted to be a loving wife. But because I was living under the law, of this was done to me, therefore I can do this. I was not living in the spirit. Justifying and blaming puts all of us back under the law. He goes on to say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of rage. There I was, busted. Well, this one says fits of anger, but NIV says fits of rage. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then he goes on to say, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, the NIV says, practice this. Another version says, live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, that was incredibly sobering for me, but I wanna unpack it because I know that we have all done things, but it is different to do something and another thing to have a practice of something. See, a doctor has a what? Practice every single day. That's where he goes, that's what he does. That's living like this. And that's living a life where we say, it's okay to be like this because of the other people in my world. And I'm watching what is happening with the men and the women in the world. I'm watching the women begin to think it's okay to have a fit of rage. It's okay to act disrespectful. It's okay to have a mean spirit because of something that was done to us. But this is what I have learned about the genders, that what wounds one wounds the other. And we cannot act like the world and point our fingers one to another because we're not going to be like Adam and Eve and blaming. It was never that Adam and Eve were supposed to blame each other or shut down the voice of the woman. It was that Adam and Eve should unite their voice and speak to the serpent and say, God is good and it is written. So, I don't wanna live my life according to the flesh. 
And then it goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Came home, told John. Because see, I knew I was forgiven. I knew that I had been healed, but I had a habit pattern. And patterns of habit are incredibly strong. See, every time I was angry, I was used to stomping around through the house. I was used to slamming things. One time, and again, this is before this happened, one time John did something, I don't even know what he did, that I was really mad and I'm stomping around through the house. We had just moved into our very first house and I was throwing stuff in the dryer and I thought, I'm just gonna slam this dryer door shut. And when I slammed it, my husband was standing there. He picked me up, carried me out to the garage, and locked me in the garage. And he said, you are staying out here until you calm down. It had the exact opposite effect of calming me down. I was furious. I thought, I cannot allow this man, every time he thinks I'm mad, put me in the garage. So I began to look around the garage for something to break, something of John's that would send a clear message, don't mess with this woman. But I couldn't find anything that I could break because I was too poor to replace it. So I remembered <laughs> that my husband did all the grilling. So I picked up a hammer and I thought, I'm just gonna put a dent in the lid of this grill. And every time John goes to grill, he'll say, whoa, that woman's strong. And I reach back, and I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, if you hit this grill, it's going to be you doing it. It's not the witches. It's not a demon. It's you. I hit the grill, and I said, I bind condemnation in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Brought John out to the garage to see my handiwork. He was not impressed. So I had a habit pattern of Pitching a fit. So what I started to do is every single day when I woke up, I would pray, God, put a watch over my mouth. Let me be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. See, as a Sicilian, I would tell my husband, hey, if you want to have passion in the bedroom, you have to have things thrown at you in the kitchen. It's just the package deal. So I had made so many excuses. I was quick to speak, slow to listen, quick to wrath because I was fiery in my blood. So I had to stop allowing that to be my normal. I'd say, God, show me what that looks like. You know, a lot of times when we talk about renewing our mind, people think it's just memorizing, and memorizing is great, but I'm not that smart. And so what I do is I read a scripture, and then I meditate on it. I say, if I'm going to be slow to speak, what is that going to look like? Am I going to count to 10? Am I going to stop thinking of my response while my husband's talking? Okay, one of the best ways to do that 
is whenever my husband said something, I actually said it back to him. That way I was paying attention. And then I sometimes I would say, so is what you're saying? And then I would say it and he'd be like, no, 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 that's not actually what I was saying. That'd be like, okay, tell me what you're saying. That was being quick to listen and slow to wrath. What is wrath? Wrath is when you think you have the right to punish someone. Anger has three stages. Anger, that's, that's normal. It's normal to be angry about stuff. Rage, rage is like you just put a gun on the table. It says now we have a threat in the air. Wrath is shooting somebody. Again, I'm sorry for the mafia uh, <laughs> correlations. It's just my world. But we need to actually stop things before they get out of hand. And one of the other steps is I had to tell my husband, I don't like it when you chase me around when I'm upset about something. I need to have a little bit of space so that my idle word account doesn't get too high. I need to be able to step back, that's what anger does, so that I can return. God, when he was mad, he would turn his face away, then he would turn his face back. We gotta get this stuff resolved because the wrath of a man or a woman never works the righteous purposes of God. Another key I had was if you want to be heard, because a lot of times people get angry because they feel like they're not being heard. I have a really smart husband and I'd be talking and I could see he is preparing an argument like a lawyer while I'm just trying to talk. But uh, that would make me rampant. I'd start ramping, ramping, stop it. And then he'd just argument going higher because John would go logical. So what I had to learn is if I wanted to be heard, I needed to say it the way I like to hear it. I don't like to be yelled at. I don't like to be threatened. I don't like somebody being aggressive. And we are in a day and a time where our voices need to be heard. So we need to learn how to speak so we can be heard. In a nation such as this, poised on a threshold, watched by the world in so many ways, you're a social experiment, a beautiful melting pot. So many people are watching. So many people are thinking, are you going to make it? Now I know, I know in my spirit, that John and I feel very attached to South Africa. It's really interesting to me. When I go to my audience, number one is America, number two is South Africa. And so I know that our hearts are connected and our messages are connected to this soil. I know Pastor Andre has taken our resources and Pastor Wilma has taken our resources and they have scattered it as seed into your lives and into the leadership. And I am here to say to you, don't you allow it to be downgraded to the anger of people. Don't allow judgment to come out of your mouth. Make sure you bless rather than curse, that you do good rather than despitefully, yeah, do good to those who have despitefully used and abused you. In a crowd like this, just as in America, There'd be people in here that grew up in similar 
circumstances to me. Maybe way worse. There would also be mothers and fathers in here that found themselves on the edge and were afraid of what they thought they were potentially capable of. There would also be parents here that went over the edge and they did things that they're so ashamed of, so afraid that sometimes they'll even justify it. I remember my mother used to always say, I'm sorry I hit you, but you made me so angry. See, that's an apology, and an apology is the defense of a behavior. Apologetics is the defense of Christianity. We are not called to apologize. We are called to confess. And a confession is, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And here's what I love. There's always new mercy. There's always a new beginning. There's always a fresh start. There's always something that God can take and redeem it. Do you know my testimony? By accident, my son happened to see it on TV. Now, I didn't do it two weeks afterwards. It was probably five or six years later. I had Christian television on. My son walks into the room and he is watching the TV. I'm out of the room. I didn't even know I was gonna be on TV that day. And my son is listening to me tell the testimony of me almost slamming him into the wall. Not something I wanted him to hear. And when I walk into the room, panic hit me. But my son turned and looked at me and he said, I can't even picture you doing that. That is the redemptive power of God. So I want to do something. I want to set something in motion. I believe that I need a lot of mercy. So I have learned to sow a lot of mercy. I have learned to forgive people that have never asked for it. I don't believe there's anything more supernatural than forgiving people who do not deserve it. It is how we are the most Christ-like. When we say, Father, forgive them, they didn't know what they were doing. What a powerful message. Let's take a moment and just respond. Father, in Jesus' name, we as Radiant Church ask that you would help us to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that anger would not mark us. Father, we ask, Lord, that in our marriages, Lord, that we would be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into the image of Jesus. God, we ask as we parent, as we serve, as we lead, Lord, would we look like you? We pray that these ideas that we've heard, even some of these practical ones, we ask, Lord, that we would be slow to speak. God, we pray that we'd be different as a result of what we've heard today. Can we apply it in our lives? We pray for your help, God. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you heard this message today, or maybe you're just in a position in life where you're facing a new day, you're looking at a world where things are challenging and you're saying, I need God like never before. Doesn't matter what circumstance you're in or what you've done, you can have relationship with God. And so I'd like to lead you in a prayer if that's you today and you'd like to begin your journey with God. This isn't all that you need to say to God, but this is the first thing and this will help you get started in your journey. So just pray this prayer with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I give you my life. Change me, make me a new creation. 
I don't wanna go my way, I wanna go yours. Give me a fresh start. I choose to follow you. Come, give me new life. I wanna spend eternity with you. I choose to follow you. Save me, in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you have begun a new journey with Jesus, and this is the best decision that you'll ever make. I wanna invite you, though, to take a step. I wanna invite you to get connected in relationship. Maybe even, if you're willing, let us send you some resources. So depending on the platform that you're watching this on, would you just comment, direct message, just let us know. If you're watching on the website, right there, there's a place for you to tell us that you decided to follow Jesus. And you could just hit that right there on the website and let us know that you have decided to follow Jesus. Uh, we're committed to you. We wanna help you on your journey.